Hi, welcome to the Joe and Mel Show. I'm Joe. I'm Melissa. And this is a podcast where we discuss life, marriage, and parenting from a Christian perspective. Today, we're excited to have our first interview episode. And Melissa, tell us about who we are interviewing today. We have very special guests with us, Paul and Jessica Gibson. Jessica happens to be my sister, and they're missionaries to Panama with Gibson Family Missions. And so welcome, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having us. And We're excited to be here. Our goal today is to really find out what it's like being a missionary in the 21st century. I know I grew up in Christian education learning about missionaries Adoniram Judson and Hudson Taylor, people who went to the villages of China and Africa. And I, I had this picture, or I had a picture in my mind of what a missionary was as a child. But knowing you and hearing your stories and being involved with missions with you guys, I know it may not always fit the stereotype that's in our minds. So really, we're trying to get at what is it like being a missionary now in 2023? And so let's first start with just your journey to become missionaries. What did that look like? How did you know God called you to be a missionary, and how did you start that journey? I think I'm going to start with answering this question. Um, A missionary came to our church when I was 12, and I was just uh, mesmerized by the stories they would tell. And at 12, I wanted to go on the mission field. And my parents were like, absolutely not. (laughs) And I asked at 13, and I asked at 14. And finally, when I hit 15, an opportunity came up to go to Venezuela for a month. And my parents said yes. And so I went on my first missions trip at 15. At that point in my life, um, I was in high school, and my plan was to be a lawyer. And um, I was really into education and independence. And on that trip, God just rocked my world. You know, he just really being um, completely taken away from my surroundings, completely by myself, and just um, seeing another culture, having the experience to share Jesus with people in Spanish, um, my heart just fell in love. And on that trip, I really believe I received the call to ministry. I didn't know what that would look like, but I felt called. And then every summer and Christmas, since then, I went on a missions trip um, out of the country somewhere. And then I went to Rama. And my second year, I chose missions because I just felt like missions was going to be a huge part of my life. Uh, but after Rama, I ended up going uh, to work for my parents as an associate pastor and served in their ministry for 15 to 20 years. And then... I met this guy sitting next to me. Chiefs jersey. Yeah. Chiefs jersey. Go Chiefs. <laughs> and um, we got, fell in love and got married. And thank God our visions aligned. You know, and, and he was really excited. He'd always wanted to travel, but hadn't yeah. had the opportunity. And I think two weeks after we got married, went on our first we went missions, on a missions trip. trip. Wow. <laughs> That's great. <clears throat> and we've been going ever since. And just miracles ever since then, right? The very first missions trip we went on was a miracle. I got my passport. Mm -hmm. They told me I wasn't going to get my passport and got it the day before we were supposed to leave. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just one more story that we had could tell where God's really moved us in that direction of being missionaries. Absolutely. And um, people often ask us, why Panama? Yeah. Let me ask you, why Panama? You've been all over the world. Because we have been... To, I've been to every continent. Say, you've you know, been to every Antarctica. Have you, have you been to Antarctica though? Have you ministered uh, to the science camps? There? Every I always say every populated <laughs> okay. 
content. We should try to go to Antarctica yeah. sometime. We should. I watched a documentary on it. It's, it sounds go, fascinating. Go do There's people that live there year round. To the, to the lab people. Too cold. Yeah. yeah. It's too cold. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Paul wouldn't go with opposite that of one. Panama. He doesn't like being cold. Um, uh, so why Panama? The first time I went to Panama, I think I was 21 years old. And I mean, I don't know. When you have a calling, it's amazing. Everything about it, I loved. It was the hardest trip I'd ever been on. Hiked through mud for eight hours, um, touching trees that have thorns coming out of them, you know, caimans in the mud from the recent, Mm -hmm. you know, tropical uh, depression that had come through. And then we got to the village. And I remember coming through the clearing and seeing all the topless women on the side of the shore and i was like this is national geographic you know and and for dinner that night the um men from the village hunted a wild boar and we had salted wild boar for dinner and had iguana that week and it was so adventurous Uh, and i loved it and then um anytime someone would ask me moving forward what's your favorite country I don't know why, but I would just be like, Panama. And then my husband's first trip to Panama, Hmm. um, he had a supernatural experience as well. Yeah, I mean, every time I think that we've gone to Panama on short-term missions, uh, the Lord spoke to us in ways that he wouldn't speak to us in any other country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Different experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, Different, um, I can remember the the very first time I water baptized someone in Panama. It's very difficult for me to talk about sometimes because the calling was so strong on, mm-hmm. on my life. After we had baptized, the, we had spent the entire week in a village that we had to, the only way to get to the village was by canoe. And so we took a group, uh, we went to this village uh, for a week solid. We stayed in the village and it just seemed like our ministry was hard. Uh, nobody was really responding to the gospel. Every day we gave them opportunities to give their heart to the Lord. Every day we would minister to the young people there, and they just weren't responding. Uh, but the very last day there, they all uh, responded. They all gave their hearts to the Lord, and the the chief uh, village chief and uh, the leaders of that village were so excited that their young people had given their hearts to Jesus. So they wanted to do a public water baptism before we left the village the next day. So the whole community, the whole village mm. came out to the bank. We escorted all of the young people out to the water in the river. We had to wait till the tide was up so we could get out into the water deep enough. And we baptized them one by one. And I just remember after that, the power of God came on me so strong, I couldn't hardly walk. I couldn't hardly talk. I had a gentleman that I was with, uh, that was with me on the trip. I said, Jeff, you know, take me to the village hut. Take me to the hut. And I just had a supernatural experience with God where um, I don't know how to describe it yet, even today. But it was supernatural. I do know that. And... uh, it was just an amazing experience, very difficult to describe. But I call that, you know, it was a secret place. I call that oh, okay. my secret place because I've never had many experiences like that um, throughout our missions trips, but Panama was one of them. And we've yeah. had lots of experiences like that there. And then in 2010, we were together in Panama leading a trip. Mm-hmm. Um, And we we were were in a village, and yeah, (laughs) we had a lot of our friends on that trip with us. It was awesome. 
And we were staying up in this hut with a local family, um, the dirigente, the second in charge of that village. And all week long, you know, we just live with them. And we remember at night we were, we were in our hammocks and it was just the two of us. And we had left our three children back in Missouri. And I remember we held hands and we're like, if they kill us in our sleep, Lord, take care of our babies. <laughs> like, oh my God. You know, just we having that moment in where you hut just. That yeah. With no walls, just open yeah. air hut in the hammocks side you by side. You just don't know, you know, everything. But um, on this trip, at the end of the week, the the gentleman, Mr. Tokomo, asked if he could sit down with us and share some things. And we're like, yeah. And so he starts telling his life story about how his mother died in childbirth. He was raised by the local witch doctor. And he'd been an alcoholic his whole life. Mm. And he always served the devil, but he knew it was wrong. Mm. And he had heard preachers come through and preach and he had heard the um, church broadcasting things and he knew there was a better way he knew there was truth he just didn't know how to find it and he said for about two years he just really felt the Lord drawing him uh, which I think is so amazing that the Lord is so good like that and the Lord was drawing him and he said he kept having a dream of people coming to his village and telling the truth and that dream the people in that dream were very blurry um, but each time he had that dream, the dream, the picture got clear. And he said, two weeks ago, I had that dream, and I saw you as clear as day. Wow. You, wow. Jessica, and you, Paul, walked into my village. And so when you came, I said, they're staying at my house. Wow. And he said, so tonight, I want my whole family to hear the truth, and we're all going to give our hearts to Jesus, and we want to serve Christ. That's so cool. And it was at that moment the calling really started for specifically Panama full time. Mm-hmm. We we wanted to see them followed up on. Mm-hmm. And so we said, can we leave you with a Bible? And they're like, well, we don't read. It's like, oh, okay. And then we found out, um, you know, I said, well, what about an audio Bible in Spanish? And like, well, what about our native language? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and there are so many hurdles and hindrances to just leaving materials for them. And I said, you know what they really need is they really need someone to come here and to preach the gospel to them and yeah. to teach them. And and we just see in America how it is so easy to get fed spiritually with podcasts like this one, mm-hmm. with um, listening to church online, going to church, going to Bible studies. We're just so full of the word. But over there, they just don't have that. Yeah, it's available here, and it's just not available Right, there. And so it was then we, we really felt like this is where God wants us. And then it was a seven-year journey from that moment to get to the mission field. Yeah, it took us, uh, you know, when we, when Jessica and I decided in our hearts that we, that's the direction God was calling us to go in was to be full-time missionaries in Panama, we didn't really tell anybody about mm-hmm. it for a long time. Okay. But we knew it in our hearts. We were praying about it, preparing ourselves for that. Uh, we knew that we had to be sent off with our pastor's blessing. Mm-hmm. We knew that, you know, all of those things were going to take time. And it took seven years from yeah. the time we decided that's what we were going to do wow. to the time we actually got there. It, we started with an email to our pastors. <laughs> and that took a couple years for that to pan itself out and get their <laughs> blessing, you know. And then selling the house and mm-hmm. selling our business and selling, selling our property. boat and giving it all up for the gospel. And all it right. was such a joy. Yeah. 
uh, to see God. You know, sometimes people think that missionaries, um, uh, me, my family in particular, Jessica's family is different because they're they're all been in the ministry for a long time. But my family's different. And when I tell them that I'm going to go, when I told them, hey, I'm going to go to Panama and be a missionary, they're just like, why? You know, you don't need to do that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you don't have to do that. I'm just like, no, I do. And then one time we were at a family get together of my side of the family, and we were talking about missions and. I had a couple of ants just come up and lay hands on me and say, oh, you poor thing, right? <laughs> right. Uh, bless yeah. your heart, you know, but it's there's no greater calling, right? There's no greater calling. I'm just like, don't feel sorry for me, right? We're, yeah. we're going to do what God's called us do you feel to do. Like, do you feel like if you were to stay, if you would have stayed in America doing the good works, you guys are doing good works here, you know, you're involved in church, you've led youth ministries, internships. I mean, Melissa and I have been um, a product of a lot of the ministry that you've done here. Do you feel like you would have been in disobedience had you chosen to stay or to keep putting it off? Do you feel like that's something God gave you like an ultimatum, like you need to go to Panama to fulfill the calling of God in my life? What, what was that feeling like in your in your hearts? I, I would say two things. One is um, something we've discovered is seasons of ministry. Um, and how I know Brother Hagen used to say some people will never even enter the second phase of ministry that God has for them because they get so comfortable in the first. Okay. You know, and I feel like um, in my life, I, I worked with my parents in their church in Wisconsin for a season. I did singles ministry and we had a teen center and I had a group that traveled and did drama. It was really exciting. And then we moved here and they asked me to be their youth pastor. And never in my wildest dreams did I want to work with teenagers. <laughs> But the Lord put it on my heart, and I had a season of almost 15 years of youth ministry. Um, And then Paul and I got married, and um, God just supernaturally planted in our heart the vision for the Honor Academy of the Ozarks, the internship ministry. And that was an almost 10-year season Mm -hmm. of our lives. And um, just like we had our season of 180 as well, you know, and, and God has just really showed me how each season prepares you for the next. But at some point, the ministry, God will give you signals like, this is the next step. I'm trying to move you to this next step. And, and obedience is the only response. Mm-hmm. And it's not always easy. And there is a lot of sacrifice. But... We've went through that season of s- sacrifice and struggle, moving to the mission trip and bare bones, you know. Yeah. But now I believe we're entering a season of supernatural blessing and miracles that we wouldn't be seeing if we hadn't walked in obedience. Amen to that. Just like that during that seven-year period it took us to get to the mission field, I think you you asked if we felt like we were in disobedience by not being there or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think the, the the closer and closer we got to go to Panama and actually be there, uh, by the time we got there, I felt like if we didn't go now, we would definitely be in disobedience. So you felt like there was like a, almost like a divine pressure to get there. Like yes. you felt this urgency, so. like I need to be there. You know, he planted that seed seven years before we got there, but every, I mean, that's all we could think about. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's all that was on our heart. 
during those seven years. And, and we went there multiple times during that period. Yeah. But um, it just took longer than we thought to... Um, Transition. We had also mm. learned I wasn't going to get up and leave this the ministry in Missouri without training people up to take over the positions mm-hmm. that I was fulfilling. You know, filling. That's a good lesson for a local church member. You know, even if you're a volunteer, we can't be close. Can't can't be quick to just hop. Right. You know, yeah, you jump from just assignment to assignment. Right. We need to make sure that we're raising up the next people to fill our spaces. You're supposed to leave a ministry better than when you came. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to leave things shorthanded. You know. Well, I remember um, Melissa and I talking about you guys in that phase of life where you were selling things, getting getting transitioned to move to Panama, it was, it was tough. We could see there's a lot of, a lot of opposition from, from the devil trying to stop you. Even human people sometimes get in your way. Still, still do. Still, yeah, <laughs> right. We'll, we'll continue to kick the devil's butt throughout the rest of our lives until Jesus comes back. Um, but I remember Melissa and I having a conversation and saying something like they're called to the missions field and they need to go to the missions field. Even if it's, even if it seems crazy, even if, you know, like, we almost, I almost feel like most of we talked about how they won't have peace in their life until they get there. That's just what we were sensing, and you know, as as a brother and sister to you guys, and um, and it was fun to finally to know that hey, you're in Panama, like hey, you're doing, you know, what what is that saying we hear in church so much? The safest place to be is right in this center of God's will, yes. and you know, you almost have this divine protection, and this not almost you do have this divine protection, this divine. Um, you know, grace to live where God has called you to work and to live. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and I, I, I think I think it's cool. I, I remember seeing you guys in this transition period, and it never surprised me for a minute that you guys were going to be full-time missionaries. I was honest. I remember waiting, like, when is this going to happen? When are they going to move? Because I just, you could just sense it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, for, for some, especially family, that's hard because there's ties, but there's, but that's sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. To fulfill the calling that God has on your life. There's going to be sacrifices. I mean, Jesus says, you have to love me more than your brother, your sister, your parents. You have to love me more than that. It has to mm-hmm. look, you know, so much like even hatred compared to your love for me because I'm, you know, I'm the one that needs to be priority and on the throne of your Absolutely. heart. And, you, and, and I'm sure that was hard. There, There's continual sacrifice right living on the mission field but no sacrifice is greater than the sacrifice christ made for us and we want to make him famous you know in panama mm-hmm. well that's good let's talk about now let's you're you've been how long have you guys had it's, it's hard to say lived in panama how long have you lived in panama let's just put it like that we're um we're going into our fifth year uh-huh. in panama wow. five years that's crazy. It doesn't seem like it's I been know, it that long. I was thinking like the other day, been like five years. they've been there for about two years. So, you know, but no, you have, you've been there for five years. So what does a typical day look like as a missionary? Like, again, do you live in a hut? Do you, do you backpack through the woods every day? What is do you it? Do an outhouse? Yeah. Do you, do you have plumbing? <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, tell us what does an average day for you look like? And where, and where do you live? What's that situation look like? It's funny you ask that because that is the number one question we get from people, people that come to see us, people that support us, people that call me on the phone. They say, what's your average day look like? Mm -hmm. And so we're prepared with an answer is that we don't have average days. We don't have typical days. Um, Our 
ministry isn't really planned day to day. It's planned more uh, week to week or month to month. Um, like coming up here in March, we'll have four to six weeks um, of groups coming in. Wow. Ministry every single day. Seven um, days a week. Seven days a week. What kind of groups are those? Who's, um, who's coming College out? groups. Okay. Um, college, um, I'm not sure what you call it. Uh, ministry groups, Christian college groups that'll come, and we'll be doing house-to-house evangelism and providing, it's called Filter of Hope, and we'll be giving out um, water filters so Mm -hmm. people can have clean drinking water, and then they have a tremendous presentation of how Jesus is the filter, you know, and our lives are dirty, and Jesus can filter our lives and to be pure. It's it's pretty powerful, and then we lead these people to the Lord, and it's all centered around a community with the church. And um, last year we had over 500 salvations in March from that wow. group. So, um, and that's a lot for one on one. That is evangelism. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. House to house, you know. Yeah. So that lots probably of, represents lots of walking. Yeah. Lots of you know tired people. Sometimes we would visit three houses a day. Sometimes we would visit one. Yeah. Right, because we it was a very quality, personal one on one. We would spend a lot of time yeah. with those people. Mm-hmm. And we weren't trying to hurry to get to the next one or yeah. hurry to get to the next one. And it's just really quality ministry. And we developed some great relationships that are thriving even today from that, you know, ministry. Um, but we may do ministry for four weeks straight, and then we'll take a week. And we'll be like, okay, we need to decompress, mm-hmm. and we need to go and do a month of laundry. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, take care of yourselves, take absolutely. care of your housework. And, and, you know, sometimes we'll do ministry for a week, and then we'll be like, we need to take three days with our kids mm-hmm. and just invest in time in our kids. Um, and then I know, like, in March, we have at least four weeks of every day 30 days of ministry, and then we'll take a week or two off in April, and then we have a two-week group coming and so it's constantly um going to the next thing as well as we we do events with our uh we work with his healing touch um dr jeff and carolyn chapman out of michigan um we work with them at least four times a year doing medical missions campaigns and we translate for them and um, paul works in the eyeglass ministry as well as they've gifted us with an eyeglass ministry in panama so we'll take a day and um, go to a school and go classroom to classroom, preach the gospel in every classroom, present uh, the message of Jesus, and then fit do an eye exam for every student in that school and fit every student in that school that needs it for a pair of glasses. Wow. Um, so our lives are just um, not average every so day. So you're, you're, sort of, you're sort of preparing or executing a ministry campaign Exactly. constantly while you're there or re- or recuperating from your past one right or you're preparing for the next one yeah that's cool and being I, I suppose being in the country just eliminates all those logistical nightmares of flights and you know international like you you're in the country so you're the person that sets up the places and communicates with the pastors and the villages and things um that seems like a real advantage being in the country rather than you know because you you could travel home between each of those campaigns, but that would be, I suppose, almost impossible with the amount of things you yeah, want to accomplish. The expense alone, I think, would be enormous. Mm-hmm. It is such a blessing to be there, um, as well as with our weekly um, church meetings. 
um, you know, we need to be there. That's another thing we didn't really talk about is every week we do host a church service for our local community. Mm -hmm. And so we bring them in currently to our home, but we're believing God for our church building. That's going to come this year. We've outgrown our living room. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that is something uh, that we typically do every Thursday night. That's awesome. Um, One thing we... I'm wondering, too, as a teacher, as a parent, what's it like to raise kids in yeah, another country? Because you have, you have three kids, and they're all teenagers now, mm-hmm. but they you know, they started younger five years ago, obviously, and you've, ta- you've brought on mission trips before. But what are some of the challenges and some of the um, victories that you've experienced in parenting? I think it's very difficult for them more than it is for us because mm-hmm. we can – we're adults. We've already completed our education, and uh, and we're ministry focused. But for them, it's very difficult. I think the language barrier, not being able to speak the language. Uh, we put them in a private Christian school the very first year we were there, and they enjoyed that. It was a bilingual school where they could, uh, but they were the the teachers wanted them to speak Spanish, right? So, but they. But they, you know, they couldn't, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it was very difficult. And as far as their social life is concerned, they really is non-existent there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they're not in the public eye. They're not, they don't have a lot of friends, a lot of places they can go and hang out and meet people. So I think, you know, for that part of it, it's difficult for them, mm-hmm. you know, as, as far as their social life is concerned. Yeah, they definitely, you know, they give up a lot being on the mission field for sure. Um Currently, um, Daniel and Eliana are homeschooling, and Madeline is in a public Panamanian school for the first time this year. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, that's this, uh, um, amazing. This past year was her first year in public school, and she is pretty much fluent in Spanish now and really thriving in her school. She's doing great. So that's been encouraging for her to get on a scheduled and it's also opened up a lot of influence for us. We've already been in her school and done ministry in her <clears throat> school. And they've welcomed us to come back and go to their sister school in another town. Um, but this last year has also been a huge joy to see our middle child, Eliana, has really blossomed in her love of ministry. And, you know, yeah, a lot of times... she wants to be involved in everything we're doing now. Yeah. She wants to persist. Every time we go uh, to a village or we go to the mountains, she wants to go with us. And she's um, right by our side helping fit people for glasses. She does great children's ministry. She makes um, animal balloons, which I don't even know how she learned to do that. She taught herself how to make animal balloons. That's Mr. Cool. Pete would be proud. Yeah. And... Um, she does face paint, and she loves to play with the kids. Um, so she's just really, it's been a blessing to see her come alongside of us and really enjoy ministry. Uh, I think she's excited about the Filter of Hope campaign coming up, too, because there's, they're all college kids, right? They're all kids that, you know, she can befriend and have friends with. Um, mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. not just a Spanish-speaking population with the Filter of Hope that will be students from the University of Arkansas there's going to be over 100 students there for this campaign so she'll come right alongside us and join those groups and and there's no greater joy that I'm sure there's no greater joy than seeing your children walk in the truth right and to see our children living the missions life is a huge blessing I know they have sacrificed a lot but I believe they've also gotten an experience that a lot of people don't have 
And they probably come out of it with a greater compassion for other people Mm -hmm. and having seen how people truly live in another part of the world. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it'll help them in their future. Oh, definitely. Awesome. I agree. I mean, I've met missions kids with going on missions trips to with Living Water Teaching Mm -hmm. and seeing the missionaries there and their and their children and being raised in that environment. A lot of them have grown up to do amazing things Mm -hmm. for God. Still, yeah, kept the course and gone on to do what God has called them to do. So I mean, that's what we're believing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Next question. You know, you do a lot of ministry. You do you you're pouring out so much into Panama. How do you stay filled up? You know, individually, as a couple, what are some things that, you know, like say someone was like maybe a little concerned about um, going to the missions field full time. What advice would you give them on how to stay built up because you're pouring out so much and maybe you don't you don't have. Like you're hosting the church, you're hosting the campaigns, you're doing it. So there's not a lot of people taking care of you per se. There's not a lot of ministry pouring into you. What do you do to stay passionate? Yeah, it's uh, it's lonely. It's lonely in Panama. Uh, we don't get a lot of, you know, fellowship, Christian fellowship, like we do when we come home. Like we've had an amazing time since we've been home and been able to grow a lot spiritually. But in Panama, it's it's got it's all self discipline, right? It's all making sure you're staying connected, you're staying intimate with God, you're reading the Word. And um, my biggest advice, I think, to anybody that's thinking about going into the mission field is don't go unless you're called to it, right? Because if if you're not called to it, you could be miserable, right? You 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 would be unhappy and things just wouldn't go well for you. Yeah, it's with anything. You have to follow your calling. And when you're called, there's definitely a grace for it. Grace. um, That's a good word for it. We are um, independent missionaries out of Living Word Church. Mm -hmm. Um, So we we don't have a campus full of um, other missionaries um, or a church full of other um, English-speaking people. Right, right. You know, so we do have to maintain that spiritual fervor because you also can't pour out of an empty well. Mm -hmm. Um, So we love... My favorite time in the world is morning in Panama when my kids are sleeping Mm -hmm. and we get up and we make our coffee and we don't even talk much. Mm -hmm. He goes outside on the patio and I sit in my recliner and we Mm -hmm. get our coffee and we just spend time with the Lord. And that is um, non-negotiable. That is every single day of my life. Um, that is how we do what we do, is we stay intimate with the Lord. Um, you have to be spirit-led to live on the mission field. You have to be listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. You may you know, make a plan, and the Holy Spirit will say, don't go today, and you don't, don't go. You know, we were talking about that earlier today, about how sometimes, you know, in, in the country we live in, there'll be protests and road closures, and you could get stuck somewhere. For a week, just sitting on the highway. Yeah. Wow. You know, so you have to really be led by the Holy Spirit. I know one time, just a fun sidetrack, is I had really felt led to go back and follow up on some people from the Filter of Hope. Um, some people who had gotten saved during that outreach. This is maybe last April. And um, I think Paul got really, really sick the night before. And I just like just felt like I should still go. 
and um, my phone wasn't working, so I didn't have data, you know, and I was like, I'm just going to go. And I didn't exactly even know where I was going, but I knew the name of the village. So I headed to Panama City because it's on the other side of Panama City, and I'm on this highway, you know, hundreds of thousands of people on the highway, and my phone quit working with Waze kind of telling me the direction of the village. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Lord, I need some help here. I said, I don't know where I'm going, but I know you want me to go. I know I'm supposed to go there today and do something. And I exited off the highway in this huge city full of people. And I exit off the highway. And as I exit, there's the pastor driving on the highway next to me. Wow. The pastor of the village I was going to. And he sees me and he pulls over and I pull over and I'm like, oh my gosh. I said, (laughs) where are you going? (laughs) And he's like, well, I'm going to this village. I said, can I follow you? And he's like, yes. I said, I want to go and talk to these couple families that got saved. He goes, I'll go with you. Wow. And so him and I and his wife went to the village. We had visited this one home where this lady had this newborn baby and her little three-year-old and she had got saved but her husband wasn't home we went back and that day her husband was home and he was so tender and he got saved and they were so excited to serve the lord together Um, and then we went and visited this one family that um, the mom had abandoned uh, the family and it was a dad who had nine children Wow. And um, we were able and to, to no roof. put a roof on their home. Yeah, with three of our supporters helped us put a roof on that home. Um, but it's just being led by the Spirit. Right. And go- things like that happen all the time on the mission field um, because you have that intimate connection with the Lord. Well, it sounds like you have to because you don't have... You don't have a missionary boss who says, okay, Jessica, Paul, you're going to go to this village on this day and do this. You have to be led by the Spirit. Otherwise, you're going to sit around, I Absolutely. guess... Miss opportunities or just go try to make something happen on your own power and get in trouble, you know? Absolutely. And we do really talk all the time about wanting to be good stewards of the support our partners send us. We want to be there doing what God's called us to do, and we want to see fruit. And so we do try to be led by the Spirit. That brings me to the next question. Are you able to make money or have jobs in Panama? Like, can you do side work? Is remote work possible? Or do you just live off of... Um, the provision that uh, been a, that uh, providers, I'm sorry, providers. Uh, supporters. Supporters, thank you. Yeah. forgot that word. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, right now it's, uh, we believe God for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, from start to finish. Um, Legally, we cannot work in Panama uh, without residency, which we don't have yet. We are pursuing residency this year. Okay. Of course, we don't have time. To do anything, but right, right. Uh, we we always say we work for God and Sons yep. Company. God and Son and Company. <laughs> you know, and we do. We we live off whatever support God brings in, and it's amazing how God always brings in what we need when we need it. That's cool. He's you know the first year we mm. moved to the mission field, we did live off our savings. Mm-hmm. You know, we had sold our boat, we had sold our home, and uh, we had saved up a chunk of money. And we spent it all. The first year, we spent every bit of it. Because we had about four or five supporters. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Because mm-hmm. we went in faith. Yeah. We were going to go anyway. We were going to go anyway. But that's, you know, through relationship, um, God continues to bring each year 
more supporters and people hear about what we're doing and believe in it and God divine connections. And so our, our, our support is increasing all the time. You should tell that story about the the money you had a certain amount of money yeah. that we needed to get that through. That was the, the rest first of the year. year. We had spent <clears throat> all of our savings and we were about three months um, from going home and I said, Paul, how are we gonna make it till Christmas? You know, we need we need more money and I said, I'm just gonna go for a drive. So Maddie and I went for a drive and the Holy Spirit reminded me of when I was at Rama and Brother Hagen said, When you need money, you just need to decide what you need. Tell God what you need and send your angels out to get it and then thank God for it. Mm-hmm. He always made everything so simple. Right. I said, okay. I said, okay, Lord, I did the math. Mm-hmm. I need this amount of money and that'll get me till Christmas. I said, angels, go out and get it. I'll thank you for it. And within 24 hours, I had somebody who had never sent us any money mm-hmm. um, message me on Facebook and they said, hey, um, my husband said I could donate our annual contribution, you know, to whoever I wanted to, and I chose mm-hmm. you guys. She said it's not much, but um, I'm going to send it. And I said, okay, praise God, thank you so much. She goes, do you want to know how much it is? And I said, yeah. And she said it, and it was to the penny, exactly what I had told my angels wow. to go out and get. Whoa. Super natural, three months of provision That's within amazing. 24 hours. Within 24 hours. Of sending my angels out to get it. That just like confirms over and over again that you're in the right place, doesn't it? I mean, that yeah. sort of thing just doesn't Absolutely. happen. Even to Christians, that sort of thing doesn't happen mm-hmm. to a regular person who's just living an average life. You know, that's a that's a life of faith working. That's a life of obedience. Paul always says, we don't want to just do missions. We want to do supernatural missions. Supernatural. It's, I think in today's day and age, the supernatural is not an option. I mean... I think in everyday Christian people's lives, mm-hmm. the supernatural shouldn't be an option anymore, right? It's something that we should be seeking. Uh, I mean, God's a supernatural God, yeah. and He can do supernatural things if we believe. That's good. So instead of limping around America saying, I'm a poor missionary, please, you know, give me the next meal that you, you want to live in abundance and prosperity and supernatural favor everywhere you go. and. And I think you're seeing that because that's what you're believing for. I think missions is the very heart of God. I think it's, I think it's you know, it's not, wasn't Billy Graham's idea. It wasn't anybody else's idea. It's straight from the heart of God. And I think if you're doing that or if you're called to do that, the Lord will always provide yeah. whatever you need. And it's just big, a big step of faith. And it's not something that we're believing God for more this year than we ever have in the past uh and i wanted to mention the very last the very first year we went to panama our giving report was bigger than any year before so we've planted a lot of seeds right Mm -hmm. and um i think god just multiplies those seeds and we continue to we i mean we live to give i mean when we have an opportunity to give we do it we don't look to people as our source. We look to God as our source. And we realize that if we need an, if we have a need that has to be met, we're going to give. We're going to yeah. sow a seed, sow a seed. and the harvest is going to meet that need. And it's not up to us to determine where that harvest comes from, but God sends the harvest. You mean even as missionaries, you still give? 
Of course. Absolutely. You still invest in the kingdom of God? <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I think, that's, I think a lot of people have a misconception about that. A lot of people think, well, if you're a pastor, like you're the recipient of the offerings. Or if you're a missionary, you're just asking for things. But the missionaries and pastors and ministers who are doing good work in the world and who are being provided for are sometimes the biggest givers there are in a, in a group of Christians. And I think, We love to give. And that'll never stop. Well, it'll keep coming back to you. That's what the Bible says. Melissa, do you want to ask any more questions? I want to get to this final question that I have written down, but if you want to say anything else. Okay, so if you could say one thing about missions to all Christians in America, you had a piece, if, if someone gave you a microphone that went into everyone's house that claims they're a believer in Christ, what would you say about missions to them? Go ahead, you start. <laughs> well, I would, you know, I hope it doesn't sound carnal, but the first thing I thought of was missions is, missions is expensive. Um, it's vital, but it is expensive. And I know some people think, oh, I'm going to give my $10 a year to missions and think it's going to go a long way, you know, but it takes a lot of money to reach people. Mm -hmm. And I think if you really want to support the gospel around the world, you should find a missionary to support. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to pray for missionaries. I think it's important to encourage missionaries because you don't know, um, I know one, t one time this year I had someone call me and say, hey, I just wanted to call you and ask you how you're doing. And I just started crying. <laughs> I said, I can't remember the last time someone called me and said, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, and it was just so touching. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think we, you know, uh, more than support that people send us, I think we rely a lot on people praying for us, right? People that are out there praying for our ministry, praying that we're successful, praying that that we're okay and that we're protected. Uh, I think that goes a long way as well. But I don't think missions, like I mentioned earlier, I think it's the very heart of God. I think every person, if you're a Christian, the Great Commission's not an option. You know, it's not a suggestion. It's something that you should be actively involved in. And... Uh, I learned that as a young, when I rededicated my life to the Lord, I learned about giving and how, you know, God will, will bless your giving. And then when I, we had missionaries that would come into our church and it seemed like they were always, they would show you pictures of babies crying or they'd show you pictures of flies on babies and big bloated bellies. And, and I always felt sorry for the missionary. You know, I, I just felt sorry for them. And I just don't, I don't want people to feel sorry for us because we're doing what God's called us to do. And it's, it's, we live an abundant, blessed life. Uh, it's not something that we, um, we don't want people to feel sorry for us. We could tell you stories of, I mean, the needs are there. The kids are hungry. You know, the kids are dirty. They, a lot of people can't read. A lot of them don't have clothes. A lot of them don't have shoes. And then right, some of do, them don't have electricity. We where do we a lot of um, humanitarian work, mm -hmm. but our heart is to get people saved mm -hmm. and to teach them the truth. The reason we moved to Panama is because people there don't hear the word of faith. Right. You know, they may have heard of Jesus on the cross because there's a large presence of the Catholic Church there. They see Jesus on the cross right. and they know who Jesus is, but they don't really know that Jesus wants a relationship with them today and how if they live according to the word, it can radically change their life. And if mm -hmm. they have a need, they can believe God to meet their need. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we do humanitarian work to open the door to preach the gospel and the word of faith so that they can grow. 
Right. So it's like meeting those physical needs to open the door for meeting their spiritual needs. Exactly. Yeah, an open door. Yeah, let's not forget that Jesus fed thousands of people on more than one occasion physical food in the process of giving them spiritual food. And, you know, there's a lot of... um, even some of the miracles Jesus did with the fishermen, you know, throw your throw your nets out there. What did they do? They caught more fish than they could hold. That's a physical need being met. That's a physical, um, you know, physical manifestation of God's power. And yeah, I, I'm sure these people who are praying for healthcare, who are praying for clean water, when you show up with a filter, you're God's answer. You know, you're God's answer to the prayer. And that, that would definitely soften anyone's heart. I think it's important too to remember what you said earlier in our interview. You said, but that first experience when you when you stayed at that chieftain's home, you said they didn't have the ability to read. They didn't have the ability to um, to even understand maybe an audio Bible in Spanish. Like the need is great. A lot of times we think we're so centric on our it's called ethnic centricity, where we think about our particular world and we think, oh, everyone knows the gospel. Everyone knows, you know, if, if I want to learn about Jesus, I'll Google it. You know, I'll find it. That's not true everywhere in the world. Missionaries. You know, are so needed to bring that gospel, even in 2023. You know, we think everyone has a smartphone, everyone has the ability to YouTube Billy Graham's messages or Joel Osteen's messages and just figure out what the gospel is. That's not true. And you're you're going out into those places in the world where there literally may not be any access to God's truth and God's word. And I think that's that's great. That's noteworthy. That's why missions needs to exist. Absolutely. You know, and that's. Um... We even thought when we moved to Panama, we're going to see a lot more missionaries and a lot more things happening here. And being there, there's not a lot of people in Panama. We we know, I know two other missionaries, maybe three, three other missionaries in the entire nation of Panama. I mean, I'm sure there are some I don't know. Right. But there's, we, you just don't see a large work happening there. And there are so many people that need Christ, and that don't have the access to the resources for good Word of Faith teaching. Amazing. Yeah. I didn't didn't realize that. That's that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we think here in America, if you you bump into someone in the Midwest and, you know, they're going to say, oh, amen, hallelujah, you know, it's just going to bump out of them, but that's not true everywhere else in the world. Well, where are some places, like, maybe our listeners want to get involved. Where can they contact you? Where can they give to support you? Like, what's the best connection point for you as as your family missions group? Our best connection is probably our Facebook page, Gibson Family Missions on Facebook. You can message us there. Paul and I each have an individual Facebook as well. Um, Our cell phone numbers only work in Panama with WhatsApp. If you have the WhatsApp app, you can add us on there. Um, We also have a page on our church uh, website, which is... um, www.lwcbranson.org. Um, we are a 501c3. You can write a check to Gibson Family Missions and send it um, to the Living Word Church in Branson West. You can also give on the Living Word Church website mm-hmm. and just put Gibson Family Missions um, in the memo, and that'll get to us as well. Fantastic. So I'll put those links in the show to- show notes as well so people can find them more easily. Um, Melissa, is there anything else you want to say, you want to add? You know, I would just challenge our listeners, anyone that, you know, tunes in, just to really prayerfully consider whether that's working with Gibson Family Missions or, you know, a quality 
missionary that's doing the work of God, you know, not just filling their bank account by any means. Uh, but to really think about partnering with God and like what Paul is saying, like missions is the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, think about supporting a missionary and think about getting the gospel to the four corners of the world, you know, and really uh, think I, I was just thinking, you know, tax season is the um, getting your taxes back. You know, just pray and be led by the Spirit and what God would have you give to, mm-hmm. you know, it could be the Gibsons. I mean, after hearing everything that you guys are doing and just your heart behind missions and just Panama and all these supernatural things that God has done for you. I mean, I'm if I didn't already, mm-hmm. like, no, I would I would want to support. You know what I'm saying? You're finally yeah. going to say support. We're finally, <laughs> after all these years, we yeah, finally come to years. this point. I'm just kidding. We're well, kidding. But you know what I mean? It's just hearing the truth and hearing everything that you're doing. It's just inspiring. It's, so it's just inspiring. really cool. And we want to thank you so much for being on our podcast. It means a lot to us. Um, I hope that listeners get a bit a better view of what real missions looks like. I consider you real missionaries, not fake, you know, trial missionaries. You, you paid the full subscription service. You're in it for good. So thank you so much for what you're doing for the work of God and for um, the people of Panama and really the body of Christ in general to be an inspiration to them. Um, you know, if every minute, if every Christian in America supported a missionary, I feel like there'd be so, so many more well provided for uh, able missionaries out there. And Melissa and I talked before we recorded this, we want to give a special gift towards your new building fund that you're raising money for that. You can find out more about that on their Facebook page. They've got some, some information in a video describing what they're trying to reach for. So I encourage you to give, encourage you to follow them and uh, just be a blessing to them. Thank you so much for having us. We listen to your podcast and we love it. Keep up the good work. All right. Thank you so much. Well, everyone have a great rest of the day. We'll see you next time. See Bye. you guys.